Welcome back to the Rab Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. Here's a sample of what's ahead. We all have big ideas and plans for, like, you know, adventures and stuff. And often we look at people around us for them to go, I think you're capable of that. I think you can do that. But people around us are scared for us sometimes. They don't want us to lose. They don't want us to fall on our face sometimes. And then it comes down to us to sort of go, I think I can do this. In this episode, I chat with Cinder athlete Vadangi Kulkarni. Although now based close to the highlands of Scotland, I actually caught up with Vadangi in her native India. She was partway through a high altitude cycling challenge in Ladakh. The preceding week, she'd been to the Indian Prime Minister's office to receive an award after being the youngest person to cycle around the world. As a young woman in India, football had been Padangi's big passion, and discovering a love for cycling was somewhat accidental. Whilst at university in the UK, she signed up for a leg of a cycle challenge from Brighton to London, but loved it so much, decided to carry on cycling all the way to the north of Scotland. It was during that trip she began reading a book about a woman who cycled solo around the world. She was so inspired that she started dreaming of doing the exact same thing herself. And aged just 19 years old, she set off. She shares the challenges along the way and describes why she's so passionate about sharing her own adventures via print, video and image on her social media channels in the hope that she inspires others, whatever their backgrounds. In her own words, to help other people believe in themselves more. Hey, Vadangi, uh, very pleased to meet you. How are you today? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really nice to meet you too. I'm doing well, thanks. I am currently in Leh, which is in the Indian Himalayas. It's in Ladakh, if people have heard of it. <laughs> and what are you doing there? Are you on an adventure? Yes, yes, I am, actually. Uh, so currently I'm training for a record attempt. So there's this route that starts from Manali and goes to Leh. And Manali is at about 5,000 feet, and currently I'm at 11,500 feet. And in between these two places, there are all these huge mountain passes. And basically, I'm trying to be the fastest woman to go from Manali to Leh. And it's like, I think it's about 470-odd kilometers um, with some crazy elevation. But the whole idea of this is like the altitude of this whole route is like well over 3,000 something meters. So the oxygen levels are low and yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> wow. So how, wow, it sounds very exciting. I've not been to that part of the Himalayas. I mean, I've heard a lot about it. Um, is, is it an area that's open to everyone or are there any restrictions there? It is an area that's open to everyone, actually. So there are quite a few really um, cool mountaineering spots close by as well. Um, some of them are now closed for environmental reasons, but there's a lot of fun stuff to do around this area. And I've actually met quite a few British people here, um, like in, in the last few days that I've been here. So, yeah, you should come. <laughs> it sounds exciting. So how many days into the trip are you now and how many days do you expect it to take or... So I am on day four of acclimatizing um, the actual record attempt. I'm trying to do this 470 odd kilometer distance with whatever crazy elevation in between um, in like under two days. 
Um, wow. And this actual record attempt will take place towards the end of May. But because I live at sea level and, you know, I, I haven't been up so high in quite a long time, it's important that I take good good amount of time to acclimatize and train and ride over here and then go and attempt this. So that's why I'm spending whole of May here. And then in the end of May, I'll be attempting this record. Wow. Sounds, uh, yeah, some good preparation going on. So as well as riding at altitude, as part of your preparation, are you kind of strategically sleeping at sort of higher and higher altitudes to get used to it as well? Well, where I am right now is at 3,500 meters. So 11,000 something or another feet, I want to say. Um, and actually, well, even existing in this altitude is effort. So it's sort of like, yeah, sleeping at this altitude is effort in itself. Um, and like then training, it sort of makes it even harder. So yeah, the whole idea is that I spend enough time up here um, and, and, and I'm, I'm used to the thin air. And so I'm, I'm able to perform better when I'm actually not as high anymore. And yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> describe to us what it feels like. So your first, maybe first night up at the altitude or I mean, how do you feel? <laughs> so I'll give you an example. So I basically, I had this 31 kilograms of um, bike bag. Uh, I don't know if you can see it behind me. But basically, when I landed here, I was waiting for this huge bike bag. When it arrived, basically, for going from the baggage collection bit to outside the airport, pulling this bag, I was out of breath right away. Um, the temperatures here are quite low at the moment as well. Well, not right now, actually, but until yesterday, it was like pretty cold. Um, the nights are still quite cold, but basically your throat feels dry. Um, it almost feels like it's hard to take a deep breath um, because then you start coughing. Um, and yeah, like you feel out of breath quite often. So I think that's how I have felt in the last few days. And the only way to get used to it is to spend long enough time and sort of just rest enough, take take sort of enough like um, what like supplements like B complex and vitamin C, drink loads of water, um, eat loads and sleep loads, and then also sort of slowly start building up that. Um, like slowly start pushing yourself like basically right now if I go from this altitude and do this there's this the 40 kilometer climb close to here if I go straight into that and suddenly I'm going from 3,000 meters to 5,000 meters without spending a few days for my body to get used to this I will not be okay basically so a 40 kilometer climb that just sounds I'm trying to get my head around that climbing for 40 kilometers it's really fun. I've done it a few times before. In fact, I so this particular the reason this ride means so much to me is that my first ever adventure cycling expedition was on this route. And okay. from I started from this place which is um at two thousand something meters in Manali. I started from there, um, did all these passes in between. Uh, stayed where I am right now and then continued up this 40 kilometer climb that I just mentioned came back down and continued towards Srinagar which is 
yeah, a few hundred kilometers from here. And the idea was to sort of go across Indian Himalayas in a way. Um, so yeah, I'm doing the actual record attempt I'll be doing is pretty much only half the route, but it's the harder half of the route. So it should be fun. Wow. Brilliant. So you're kind of completing a circle in some ways as well. Yeah, I'm coming coming full circle, really. Yeah, because I, I, I look at photos from back then now and I was this lanky teenager, 17 year old and yeah, struggling up like huffing and puffing up all the mountains and really, really struggling, you know, to eat enough or drink enough and not listening to my body, really immature. And yeah, yeah. What led you to do that trip in the first place i'm just trying to think which part of india are you from have you always been into cycling since being like a little kid or um so i am from pune in maharashtra so pune is 100 miles east ish from mumbai people know where mumbai is i i'm presuming <laughs> yeah um so that's where i'm from and i used to play football at the time so when this whole cycling thing kind of came about I was um I was I used to play football at the time and basically uh, the way it happened was um I went on a shorter like 60 kilometer expedition up here a cycling expedition and it was um it was quite up mellow hills and stuff and I I remember thinking this is really easy. I want to do something harder. And, you know, I want to go further. This is amazing. And I'd never done much cycling before that. So I met someone here, uh, this guy who was the field director of this trip. Um, and I was like, I got to do something bigger than this because I found this quite easy and I want to do it like, you know, something proper remote. And he suggested this route. And the way basically they wouldn't let me go with a group because I was only 17 and not over 18 so I said to my parents that how about I just go by myself and if you if you want you guys can meet me in places you can be like you know my support so you can meet me in places or you can you can meet me every night where I camp or something like that and so that's pretty much how I ended up doing this the first time uh, it didn't come easy and it took a lot of research and a lot of training beforehand to to do it in the first place. But yeah, it was all worth it because when I was riding over here in these mountains, I just couldn't believe that it, it was possible. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of nowhere. And, and Pune is a city, you know. So truly being in the middle of these mountains was such a huge deal for me that, wow, like I'm all I can see is army trucks here and and it's me on the bike and you know really nice people that I meet along the way who are just waving at me or um yeah just trying to help or something <laughs> wow did you go back to football or continue or once you'd got the bug for cycling was that like a big change for you so you know that's the interesting thing um it sort of changed things I was still interested in football because the whole reason I moved to the UK in the first place was because I wanted to come there, do my degree in sports management and then uh, take all my um, international football coaching licenses, come back to India and start a goalkeeper coaching academy. That was the dream. That was the plan. Wow. But after this ride, 
I still came to the UK. I still did sports management. Um, well, at least started the degree, didn't finish it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and that was like, it was along the way over there that um, cycling became such a huge part of my life that I don't know. It, I kind of do it for a living now. So, you know, so it, it changed my track completely. Sure. Wow. I mean, we could probably have a whole different conversation about sort of <laughs> football in India. Um, I know it's a, just very briefly, but I, I believe it, it's, it's it's a growing thing, isn't it, in India? Football? Oh, it, it is. So, you know what? At the time, I was in a team called Pune FC, Pune Football Club. And I remember that was... I, if I'm not wrong, that was the first professional women's team in India at the time. And now there are like women's leagues happening and it's like a proper huge professional thing. And oh, my God, like so much like the sport is growing in this country and it's amazing. So you were ahead of the curve in some ways. Uh, wow. How exciting. <laughs> yeah, have do you have a team? <laughs> do, you, do you have a team? And is there an Indian team you keep an eye on, uh, you know, for the results um, and stuff? God, I wish. No, I don't anymore. I used to at the time. Uh, well, not, uh, at the time, I was a fan of not any Indian team, but I was a fan of Manchester United. And I used okay. to closely follow everything. And then, yeah. I don't know, like the more cycling became part of my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I said goodbye to football, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever fancy getting down to my club, Barnsley Football Club, it's it's, uh, it's a very well-known club. Um, oh, really? That's so cool. <laughs> small club. Um, moving on. Two, you met the Prime Minister of India, I believe, recently. What, what was, I mean, that's a pretty exciting thing. Describe that to us. And why <laughs> did you get to meet the Prime Minister of India? Well, so I got mentioned by the Prime Minister of India in his in his radio address to the citizens of India. Like over a billion people listen to this thing, right? Wow. Um, and I... So firstly, I must correct, I didn't get to actually meet the prime minister, but I did get to meet like the vice president or the home minister and lots of important people in like the politics. But um, yeah, best not to get into like the details of that. But basically, so I was mentioned in this uh, radio address by the prime minister back in December 2018. Um, and it was... So I finished my bike ride around the world on Christmas Eve 2018. And I think the radio address went out on 30th of December. And he had mentioned me for basically, yeah, being the youngest. Obviously, at the time, it was it, it still is like all unofficial and all that. But I'm the first person from India to have done anything like this. Well, I'm the first person from the continent of Asia to have done anything like this. So it was a huge deal at the time. And um, it was sort of all of the like the national news and papers and stuff like that. And so I was mentioned for for sort of, yeah, making making a name for the country by doing something like this and for grit and courage and all those things but I it was like I was listening to that address in Hindi because I hadn't listened to it until I flew here the other day to attend the whole kind of the, the, the whole program that I came here for is like the hundredth episode of this thing is going out the prime minister's address and people who have been honored uh, were going to be felicitated so it was sort of like the idea was that the prime minister will felicitate them. Uh, in the end, it was the vice president, but still like um, it was, yeah, Wonderful. it was that sort of event. Um, it was really cool. Like I got to meet some really amazing people who are making some huge impact. Like, yeah. And your, 
yeah, so people who are doing lots of different kind of projects through India and the world, yeah. And your parents were there? Oh, God, yeah, they were there. They were so happy. They were so proud. And, um, yeah, and, and the current kind of, the, 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 the person's the prime minister of India right now, Narendra Modi. My dad's a huge fan. So my dad was stoked the whole time. <laughs> and so my parents, uh, okay, this might be quite, uh, quite interesting, actually. So And also might explain where my whole adventurous spirit comes from, right? So my parents, I flew in Delhi, not in Mumbai, right? And as I said, Pune is 100 miles east of Mumbai. My parents drove nearly one, over one and a half times the length of the UK um, to to receive me in Delhi at the airport. And then they, they joined in for this event. It was like a week-long thing. And then we drove back the whole way down to attend another event, which was happening in Mumbai. And yeah, then sort of went, went to the home I grew up in sort of thing. But basically, my mum is like, big into driving she loves driving or riding her motorbike for long 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 distances so um yeah us as a family have always enjoyed enjoyed that time <laughs> brilliant so i mean when you were when you were small would you go on adventures your family would you go on adventures when if you had time um we went so we sort of went on trips which was just the three of us so you know for example my parents are big into reading and so they would read a travelogue about say Egypt and then we would all research where could we go in Egypt what could we do and then you know I would be given a job of say um, where to find a, a local guide or I don't know just you know finding guidebooks online or whatever so basically We've done a lot of trips like that, where just the three of us have booked somewhere. We've all done the research and then gone and explored that country. And because it wasn't through like a like a proper like big tour group or something, we managed to find places which were like not proper tourist places, you know. Yeah. So that was our like I think that was my idea of adventure for a very long time. Read travelogues, go out and yeah, explore sort so of thing. And me and my parents have visited quite a few countries like that. Um, so Egypt, Switzerland, many other countries in Europe, really. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and also lots of India, like really like fun corners in India like even something like me and my dad uh, like this film uh, this Bollywood film called Lagan and the place it's shot at because we're obsessed with this film we said why don't we go and see where it was shot you know it, and it's also a place of sort of historical importance because there was this huge earthquake right after the shooting was done and everything and so we just planned a trip around this and we ended up exploring so much of India that we hadn't seen before or we wouldn't otherwise get to see you know it's so easy like every state in India is as good as its own country so getting to sort of go go out of that bubble and you know go and explore even like remote corners in the country was really cool absolutely well you it sounds like yeah you were brought up in a family with a, a big adventurous spirit and uh yeah. you're using that to the full <laughs> what about your I'd like to ask you 
again, we could do a, probably a whole podcast on your your trip around the world. But I mean, you 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 were nineteen twenty when you did that. Um, that's quite a young age, really. <laughs> Where do you think you had the confidence to the self belief to kind of set off on 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 something like that? Um, so confidence and self-belief are interesting words because even now I question whether or not I actually have them. Um, but the idea of riding my bike around the world came about when I was accidentally riding across the UK. So I had planned this, um, I'd signed up for this thing called London, Edinburgh, London. It's a 1400 kilometer ride. You're meant to do it in five days, but I didn't know a lot about riding bike for long distances or how to train for it or anything like that. So I set off for a 400 kilometer ride from Bournemouth to London and back. Um, and actually it was during that ride, um, I got hosted by this amazing family. Um, and that's where I decided that I was actually going to go to John O'Groats and not just, you know, London and back. So ended up actually riding my bike to John O'Groats and I didn't have a lot of sleep. Well, I didn't have any sleeping gear and I didn't have a lot of stuff with me, but I was able to just sleep in the bus shelters or knock on people's doors and really rely on kindness of strangers. But of course, I got really lonely along the way because I was 18 years old in a foreign country and not very confident about myself. And every time I got lonely, I was reading this book called This Road I Ride by Juliana Buring, who was the first woman to set the record to ride her bike around the world. And that book really inspired me to try something like that myself. And it wasn't exactly, yeah, it was definitely jumping into the deep end for me, but I thought I could do it. And <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I like it. It was it, so it was basically from what I'm hearing. It was like uh, I'm in Bournemouth. I'll go up to London. It's like I might as well go to John O'Groats. And then on the way to John O'Groats, you think, you know what? I might as well just go around the world. I mean, is that was that? Were, were there some steps between? Yeah, I mean, at the, uh, I uh, something that helped. I think was the fact that my headphones were broken and I'm not the kind of person who plays music out loud. So that gave me a lot of time to think. And, you know, so that that allowed me, I was riding longish distances every day to get to John O'Groats. And every time I would read something from Juliana's book, I would think about it. I'd be like, what would I do in that situation? Could I do it? And when I got to John O'Groats, I was like, I barely had any money. My bike is not the best. It's like a bike that you can buy for 100 quid or something. Um, you know, and, and, and I didn't know a lot about cycling far or fast or whatever. And I think I can do it. It'll be fun. I can give this a go. And then I, I sort of said to myself, like, how about I think about, say, a distance of 200 kilometers and then do that distance for like multiple days in a row and see how that goes, if, if my body is capable of that. Um, which I must say, at the time, my body was really not capable. I, I don't remember being the strongest person, but I thought to myself that, I, and, and then I got to John O'Groats and I, I was like, I got here, you know, the, I, I, I found my way here and yeah, I met loads of kind people, but I also made so many mistakes, like accidentally rode on motorways and stuff, you know, and 
I think it was then that I sort of called my dad and dad's been like my he's he's the biggest supporter for all of my adventures and my like just life in general so I called him and I was like what do you think do you think I, I can do this and I sort of said that I think I can do it and you know I want to ride my bike around the world uh, I can do it next year I'll be 19 at the time and and I can go for the record to be the fastest woman and you know see if I can do that uh, and it was going to be my placement here in in uh, 2018 so yeah that's that's sort of how it all came together and of course we didn't know at the time that or you didn't no one knew did we about covid as well so fun, i mean great timing really i know i think about that quite often i was like because uh, uh, I, i've got some friends who are like vidangi you were not prepared to ride your bike around the world why couldn't you just say screw this i'm doing this next year and i was sort of like no, that's not happening. That is absolutely not happening. I'm, I have planned and raised money to do it in 2018. This is happening in 2018. And I know I'll be more matured and more prepared and more everything next year. But I know that I won't be ready because that's the thing, right? You're never ready. You're never 100% ready for anything. And you're never going to be until you start and you see how you feel as you go, you know? Don't procrastinate too much. Exactly. I should I should I should say this to myself more often when I'm I've got deadlines for writing. <laughs> Sometimes I like run over the deadlines quite a bit. I need to get better at that, not procrastinate as much. <laughs> I want to come on to that a bit actually about you, you know, your passion for sharing your, your adventures as well. But just quickly, any moments, what was the scariest moment uh, on, on that round the world? Was I mean the was was <laughs> well, there must have been some in, or, or were there too many to sort of yeah scary there were a lot of scary scary moments one was being chased by a bear but that is still like you know it, it can be said that that's the most unpredictable thing that can happen or something but I would say that was probably more predictable than what happened in Spain which was um I got I got mugged at knife point and attacked oh. and beaten up and all and um, I got a concussion from that and that that moment where I had to decide whether I, I guess I just didn't expect that I could it could be physically harmed by anyone or anything you know that that yeah. that sort of small uh, uh, naivety that you have at, when you're 19 I guess <laughs> and I didn't really expect that anything that bad could happen um, but yeah so I, I I got a concussion from that that incident and um going from zero to something so like you know I was I was still covering good enough distance before that yeah I wasn't on track to get the record for being the fastest but uh, around the time that the concussion happened I was still doing decent distance every single day and after that physically and mentally I was so Far gone. I was so dead that what what would take me, like the sort of distance that would take me, say five or six hours, could take me the whole day, and I had to go a couple of weeks like that before I was like, no, nah, I need to push myself and really force myself to go further and see if that's possible for me because my God, that was hard to to. You know, I, I didn't have someone to go, 
I didn't have someone right around me in, in like, you know, immediate surroundings who could kind of look at me and go, Vidangi, you're too weak to do this, give up, or Vidangi, you're stronger than this, keep going. So I had to be the judge of that. And I think I chose um, well, uh, wisely. I wouldn't say I chose wisely because it's not a wise decision to ride your bike when you have a concussion. But at the time, I didn't have any option. I couldn't come back to the UK because my visa had been cancelled because I was out of the country for too long. And I couldn't come to India because I didn't want to come home as a failure. Like I, I was sort of like, I don't know. I don't know. Like there was no one putting pressure on me. It was all me. And I think it was scary making that decision to keep going and then stick to it when people understood the enormity of what had happened and said, that's the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was quite nerve wracking. Very traumatic. And I would imagine your friends and your family is quite, um, I guess, yeah, there's so many things out there. I guess getting a puncture, maybe even something as big as a, a bear, it's quite frightening, but you, <laughs> you're probably not thinking about sort of those kind of attacks, really, when you're doing something mm. as riding exactly. your bike. Exactly, and, and you don't want to think about it. You know, you want to think about... You want to think about how happy you're going to be when you ride your bike, how happy you're going to be surrounded by mountains and the open road and, you know, all the snacks in between. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, what about, like, your, where are you based now? Obviously not where you're sat now. Where, where's your, where is your base? Where's your... Scotland. Wow, whereabouts? Inverness. Just, well, yeah, Inverness. <laughs> ah, very civilised part of the world. Yeah, so what... <laughs> What led you to Inverness? So it was sort of a mixed decision. So my partner, he's a downhill mountain biker. He does all like the national level races and stuff. And I was sort of thinking like my whole career is in adventure, cycling, and the fact that I can work from anywhere I want. So it was sort of a mixed decision between those things. And also um where my partner works, he could just get a store transfer directly. And we had been to Fort William a few times on mountain biking holiday. And then we sort of went, you know what? It would be great if we just move up here. And our friends, we, we've got friends in Fort William, and we saw their lifestyle. And I, I don't know, it was a mix of all of those things which which really inspired us to to make that big move. And it wasn't a big move for me, but it was a big move for my partner because he's from North Devon. And, you know, for, for, for him to move away from his family to move to Bournemouth was a big deal in itself. So, you know, let alone going from there to the other end of the country. To, for, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't like that huge deal. It was sort of like, oh, yeah, I've, I've moved across a across the continent before i can i can move across the country it can't be that bad um but yeah it's a nice place i'm loving it <laughs> and i know absolutely and you, i mean it's access to you know it's a great location um you know to to get to so many different mountain areas within scotland there um as well as cycling, well, when I say cycling, are you, I mean, do you have different kind of bikes? I'm, I'm imagining your sort of shared garage, you know, is, is it like <laughs> the gravel bike, the mountain bike, the road bike? Do you have a preference? <laughs> oh, God. So in my living Don't room. Don't go there. I, okay. 
<laughs> in my living room I've got like nine bikes uh, five of those are mine and then the remaining are my partners um, I've got um, well I've actually got one of my bikes here so I've got my road bike with me right now I've got a gravel bike I've got a cross-country low travel bike then I've got like a proper um, full suspension man bike um, and then I've got a fat bike Wow, um, you've got all the toys. And do you do, are you, you presume you do all your own maintenance, you guys as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So um, normally when it's like a bike maintenance day, um, our living room looks like a bike shop. Um, actually, that's, that happens far too often, I would, I would say. And it's, it's really funny because uh, obviously my partner makes a living by fixing bikes. So um, if I ever am in any tricky situation with almost breaking something <laughs> i have someone to run to who won't charge me a charge me a bomb you know <laughs> yeah and what about other spot i mean I, I know on your social media channels you 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 don't just cycle you you sort of love the mountains and i mean there's you, you know hiking yeah. mountaineering skiing what's your what's your sort of in oh, order cycling is your main thing what what are so the other main things you love Cycling is the main thing. Next one is hiking. Uh, but I haven't like done hiking for the sake of hiking for a long time. The next one is polar sort of expeditions. So yeah. I last year I did this expedition where I skied across Svalbard and I don't remember ever being so happy, <laughs> honestly, for the for the 12 days that we were in the middle of nowhere. I had the biggest smile on my face. I was learning so much and I was just so happy. I love snow and I, I love cold weather. I love snow. And this is the most un-Indian thing I can ever say. <laughs> um, but that's just how it is. And um, I remember flying into Svalbard. I had only done sort of cross-country style skiing once and I'd definitely never properly pulled a pulk before. So, um, yeah getting to do all of that and being properly remote and, you know, getting to learn from my teammates for that expedition was incredible. And now I'm planning some solo stuff um, and, and actually races and stuff. So, you know, um, they do sort of cross-country ski races, which are completely sort of self-supported. So you're pulling your pulk and everything. I'm planning to do some of those. I've got my eye on some of those. The only thing right now is I can't actually afford any of those. <laughs> but yeah. um, but like skiing is expensive. So yeah, that's one. Uh, so yeah, that's... Um, and, and recently, I tried something fun. I have this life I had this lifelong belief that I'm not a runner I can't run and then my friends at Outdoor Provisions and stuff were organizing uh, this this thing called Peak Divide we run from Manchester to Sheffield and across Peak District basically um that's where I'm um, sat, somewhere in the middle of that, probably. You probably <laughs> ran past the front door. You should have come in for a cup probably, of tea. Probably I yeah. did. <laughs> Next time. Next time, definitely. I'm, I'm, I want to do all of that in a one now because um, this was 1st and 2nd of April this year. And wow. um, the day one of that was marathon distance and day two was 36 or 37 kilometres. And so, you're not a runner. I'm not a runner. I hadn't trained for this. The, in fact, the last I had run before first of April, before running that trail marathon, also my first ever marathon uh, on first of April, 
um, the time I ran before that was 25th of February, like 12 and a half kilometers. And I remember I, I rode my mountain bike right after that and I was so dead. I slept so well that night. And I remember thinking, I need to keep pushing myself like this on 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 my feet so that I'm ready for this big run. Except what happened is that I never managed to keep up with the running for the whole month of March. And then suddenly April came by and, you know, suddenly I was in Sheffield preparing for this and went to Manchester. And I don't know, I, I, I even signed up with a friend who is actually a proper runner. Well, she doesn't think it, but she is. And the whole idea was that because we are such good friends, I would know that even though she is far, far, far ahead of me, I would know that because she's on the track and because she will finish, I will, I will, I will run and I will be thinking of her and I will finish too. There was this weird thing going on in my head. And that day when I set, set off, like I was like, I was with the sweeper of, of, of the event. <laughs> like it was quite funny. And yeah, eventually made it. Seven odd hours. <laughs> but that is a long way. And also describe what it was like. What are you actually running on? Is it sort of boggy ground or paths or mixture? What is it? Oh, so boggy ground was my favourite one. And, you know, Peak District is full of that. Um, <laughs> what do you mean it was favourite? It's horrible trying to run on that kind of... <laughs> no. Yeah. OK, you'd be surprised. So for someone who's not a runner, when you run on like the hard surfaces, so uh, just to put it in context, so for the first... 20 something kilometers it was all tarmac going from there to any sort of off-road was amazing because suddenly there wasn't you know it wasn't too hard on my feet um and then it's quite there, soft underfoot yeah 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 so that was nice and then 25 kilometers was the feed point and i remember at the no 26 kilometers was the feed point and i remember at the feed point i was just like smiling and i was like i've done maximum distance like this is the most i've ever run and then i was just thinking to myself i've got like 10 miles or so to go i can do that anybody can do 10 miles it's not that long and then we hit like some proper proper like rocky stuff and you know some some fun stuff you know the the steppy rocks um i don't know where that is now but it's i can imagine that so like a yeah yeah that's right and then you go on to this ridge line my god i wish i knew like the area properly russia Um, probably russia pedge or it could be on the edge of kinder probably and then you would drop it down into edale yes yeah yeah yeah. and then went back up the next day uh towards stanage and yeah. then yeah into Sheffield next day wasn't too uh it was only like 36 or 37 odd kilometers but having having never sort of done a marathon or anything like that before the the day before had taken a toll on me and in fact overnight when we uh, were sleeping in the tent I forced myself to keep my knees moving keep my legs moving because I was really scared that my um, joints would seize up and I I would never be able to move again <laughs> but presumably you had to sleep at some point it's like hard to move your legs oh I I did sleep I, I slept well but I was just like very conscious every now and again to like keep moving also it hurt you know like on my right uh, knee it, it sort of hurt so it, it, it wasn't hard to remember to move incredible effort to to run two days that you know basically it's it's a it's a very long way and there's quite a bit of there's you don't think of it as like huge mountains but there's quite a bit of up and down and sort of oh it, it is absolutely and but the thing was i signed up for this with hopes of finding the joy in running 
And that was the thing. I have never been able to find the joy in running. And I, I signed up for this, hoping that the combination of my friends organizing this, of many people that I know running this, my best friend being being a part of this, I was sort of like, if this isn't the event where I've learned to find the joy in running, I don't know what is, like, you know, what under what circumstances might that happen? And so that was a hope. And that that happened. Like, you know, I, I was in a lot of pain in on, on day two, like towards the end. I bonked, so I didn't feed myself properly. So 10 kilometers in on day two, I was just so hungry that like every time I stopped it, just everything like was spinning it wasn't nice at all um but drumstick squashies I think that was that was what they gave me drumstick squashies <laughs> that, I, I kept eating one every every few kilometers oh like I kept finishing a small packet every few kilometers and kept up with the sugar rush <laughs> well I think it's really brave as well to switch you know like you obviously you've done stuff in cycling and big things but then to switch I know it's using the legs, but it, it is very different running to cycling. Running know? is hard. Cycling is easy. I mean, well, yeah, it depends. Not yeah. maybe not if you're going around the world, but yeah. Oh yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I'm I'm planning to do it again next year. Actually, I'm planning another ride around the world, and I want to do it in fastest women's time this time. Um, wow. So yeah, should be fun. <laughs> well, you you must have found it very hard in lockdown. I can't. You, I don't get the impression you like to sort of chill out and and, and sit still much. Oh, uh, you'd be surprised. I did a lot of online courses and I set up a business in lockdown, and I was doing loads of sort of public speaking and stuff. But what I found hard was, you know, when there was this rule that you couldn't go beyond five kilometers of yeah. um, your area. I was a bit like, yeah, no, that's hard. Totally. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you're obviously very passionate about sharing your adventures. You have a background in journalism, uh, copy editing, and I guess so you've got some confidence and some skill in, you know, sharing via the written word. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I love to write. And I always have, actually. Um, In in fact, um, when I was a when I was a kid, I used to write poems and send them to the local newspaper. And my parents have clippings of um, some very very embarrassing songs and poems that I've written as a child. Uh, thankfully, I don't do that anymore. I stick to what I know. <laughs> so I I stick to writing about adventures and outdoors. And actually, what what I really enjoy is. Yeah, I do love technical writing and I do love geeking out about outdoor gear and all those sort of things and and, and about, you know, the technical elements of a bicycle and whatever. But what I really enjoy is writing about experiences. They could be my experiences, so they could be me interviewing someone else and their experiences. But the sort of story you can create by narrating experiences, it's it's amazing and yeah, that's that's my favorite thing. Um, Brilliant. And is I mean, obviously, images are a big thing on in social media and ways of inspiring people as well. So, are you has that meant that you do less writing, or you manage to combine both? I manage to combine both because um, I I think it's 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 necessary in a way because you can just put out an article and 
you won't get a lot of engagement for it. But if I take a lot of photos along the way, if I take some videos along the way, and if I make, say, an Instagram reel and then write along with it and then maybe, you know, there's something like that would work better because there's a visual element and then there's that written word. Um, but in my life, I've been so lucky with having friends who are photographers. Oh, my God, that's the best thing ever. So my friend Callan, uh, when I was doing my bike ride around the world um, with some help from Antil Productions, which are this production company from Canada. They mostly work in mountain biking, but for my expedition, they were meant to film like some sections of this ride. Um, and my friend Callum, who is actually also based in Sheffield, he's an incredible photographer and he flew in some sections and took some really nice photos. And now when I look back at it, I don't really remember some of the moments when he took the photos, <laughs> but I look at them and I'm like, wow, I look happy or my God, I look wrecked. (laughs) And so, you know, and then when I have something like that to go along with a a story, then I guess, you know, people are more inclined to read that. (laughs) Well, I I enjoy writing something, you know, when I look at a photo, I want to write something around it and it's fun too. You're sort of passionate about helping other people. So tell us a little bit about some of the events that you've, well, you've created and been involved in, for example, helping adaptive mountain bikers, just just sort of trying to keep that diversity within. uh... Yeah, yeah. So um, in 2021, um, someone, me and my partner knew, um, had a mountain biking accident and and, um, she unfortunately got paralysed. And... And and in order to raise money for uh, her recovery fundraiser, um, I I thought it would be a good idea to organize a mountain biking race. Um, But I was sort of like, I I just asked her before it, would you like to ride in it on, you know, a mountain bike made for this stuff, uh, like an adapted mountain bike? And she was super keen for that. So, um, yeah, that's how... um, what at, at the time the race was called ride ride for casey a mountain bike race um and i didn't know it right away but that was the first ever um race for adaptive mountain bikes in the uk and we also had nearly 25 percent of the field was also women and everyone raced the same track so like adaptive mountain bikes to uh, like um like two-wheeled man bikes for able-bodied people, like everyone raced the same track. And the vibe was just incredible. Um, This was in November 2021. And if I'm not wrong, that was also my friend's first time at that place since her accident, which also happened there. So it was was sort of like a really um, emotional event. Um, But yeah. Yeah, that was that was where um, it sort of started, and I, I think also I've been to a, a marshal that some mountain bike races before, some downhill races, and I have been to some downhill races where my partner's been racing just as a spectator, and I've noticed that there's a type of I, I don't know I've noticed that it's quite intimidating there, you know, 
haven't seen many women racing this stuff. Not uh, at the time I hadn't. Now I always see so many women racing this stuff because, you know, once you have an eye for it, then you start seeing that. <laughs> but um, because I wasn't seeing a lot of that at the time, um, I was also thinking that it would be really cool to have some sort of way of progression, like to make progression fun. So I'm trying to organize something called MTB for All, which is basically same thing that I did back in November 2021. But this time around, people will have to make it more inclusive in a way. And again, like I don't decide whether or not it is inclusive. People who join will, uh, you know, otherwise it's just, yeah, not not right. Um, but uh, the idea is that people can get some help with coaching on the bits that they find hard on the track and you know people will be judged on their progression throughout the event rather than just the actual race result so that's sort of the concept and um, the reason I wanted to work on this within mountain biking is because on a very personal level mountain biking has helped me a lot with my self-esteem and every time I've done something that I thought I would never be able to do before or something that I've seen my partner go down and I've just gone, damn, like, will I ever be able to ride like that? That looks steep. That looks technical. And that looks like if I do it, I'll die. Like, and, and then to sort of then tr like working my way towards it and then getting that and then sort of having that really weird sort of high where you feel like you can take on any challenge in the world yeah, that feeling, I, I want more people to feel that because that's, you know, no one can put that self-belief in you until you've been there and managed to do that. So, yeah, Fantastic. that was like you actually, mountain biking. Brilliant. I mean, you led me, you've led me on to one of my final <laughs> points, uh, which was around, yeah, what, you know, there must be people there probably are lots of people listening to this who found your story and your sharing your journey is very inspiring that, but they might be thinking themselves, how could I ever do that? I mean, you've talked about downhill mountain biking. I find it frightening just to sort of watch that. I'm the sort of person when it gets too technical, I just, yeah, pick my bike up and I'm sort of walking with it really. Um, I'm not very brave. Um, but um, some of those long distance journeys as well, if people have ideas or they've been inspired by your stories, what tips could you give them to sort of, if you like, because often it's about making that first step, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the times it's about giving yourself the permission to, to sort of take that first step. So I think that's where it starts because you know what I said earlier about no one can insert that self-belief in you. You can have friends and family who believe in you more than you believe in yourself, but I think it's about giving yourself that permission to say yes to things because we all have big ideas and plans for like, you know, adventures and stuff, but, or like, you know, someone may even want to do their first downhill race or something. And often we look at people around us for them to go, I think you're capable of that. I think you can do that. I think you're good enough for that. And People around us are scared for us sometimes. They don't want us to lose. They don't want us to fall on our face sometimes. And then it comes down to us to sort of go, I think I can do this or I think I'm capable of this. And um, I think 
that would be it sort of to, to give yourself that permission to say yes and to go I am capable of this I can do this and then sort of systematically kind of look at the steps to get there and I like to do the first step either when I'm super motivated to do it or when I'm really not motivated to do it because because if I'm motivated to do it and I've done the first step then I know I'll want to do the second one and if I'm really not motivated to do it I'll know that when I start off with that first step I will want to continue and 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 that's always the thing right you know with like all these weird productivity gurus and stuff say this thing that you do something for like five minutes or something and then you'll want to not not stop and sort of keep 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 doing that and I, I i i look at things like that these days and i think i think if we we all have that big idea and we just need to sort of say yes to ourselves give ourselves that permission and and build up to it like you know it doesn't have to happen right away i think with the with the age of social media and everything we want things right away we want we want to be successful right away and to sort of understand that we can play the long game and we can work towards our big goals and, 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 and yeah, just say yes to start with at least, you know, at least get started and then we'll get to the finish line. <laughs> Great advice. Uh, very positive, very inspiring, brilliant to chat with you, Vadangi and uh, all the best uh, with your current adventure. When do you think you're going to be setting off? Is it going to be towards the end of May on, do you think you, when you'll be ready for the challenge? I think it's either going to be 30th or 31st of May. And hopefully, whichever day I start, I'll be done by the evening of next day. Something well, my like birthday's that. the 31st of May, so I'll be looking out for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome, What's the best yeah. channel? Instagram? Is that probably Instagram, where I can... yeah. Yes, Instagram Brilliant. is at Wheels and Words. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one. Or I think I'll, I'll also be putting out a link to that on my website, which is um, my first name, so vadangi.info. So, yeah. yeah, either or would do. And we'll leave links here for people to uh, follow you because you, you've so many inspiring stories and uh, images as well. Thanks. Thanks so Amazing. much. Amazing. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe. I look forward to bringing you more stories and interviews very soon. Stay tuned.